We come to Jesus this morning in order to live. We come to hear and to meditate upon his word. God's word, we believe, is inerrant, infallible. The word of God. And let us hear that word this morning as found in Mark 6. If you would turn in your Bibles or look overhead or even in your bulletin, you will find it. Mark 6, beginning with verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he, Jesus, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea he meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we come this morning, we simply ask that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. Give us feet to follow closely after you for the glory and honor of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Will we ever get it that Jesus is indeed God Almighty? Last week, Chuck spoke about how in Nazareth, the hometown of Jesus, those most familiar with Jesus did not get who Jesus really was. 
And I wonder if Jesus ever wondered if even his very disciples would get it, really understand who he was. His very disciples had been watching him teach and perform many miracles. Mark, the gospel writer, in every chapter, every story is telling more and more who Jesus is and is showing his power and his purpose. Jesus had just sent the disciples out two by two, teaching and preaching a gospel of repentance and healing. And now we come to the continuation of the story. Verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Clearly, they were excited to have ministered, preaching and teaching and even exercising in the name of Jesus to so many. Jesus could see though, their physical and their heart condition. Their ministry must have drained them for Jesus says something very interesting to them. And we begin to get a glimpse of the heart of the shepherd this morning. Verse 31, he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. I wonder if his disciples understood that he was indeed a shepherd. He was about to identify himself as the shepherd, but he is already being the shepherd to them, showing concern for his followers who have been serving and they need rest. You know that serving others, loving others is absolutely draining. It can be exhausting. And to be able to rest, we often need to find a quiet place for a little while. How are you at making time to rest? How are you at helping others rest? Some of you burn the candle on both ends, sometimes out of need and sometimes out of choice. So many here this morning are utterly weary. If we just take young moms, how do you do it? Balancing the needs of all, oftentimes working outside the home also, you have to be weary. I remember walking down the long hallway one Sunday and I was behind two young moms and I heard one of them say, I can't wait until one day being able to go to the bathroom all by myself. <laughs> well, Rita informed me this week that all moms have said that. Um, Jesus knows that his followers need time of refreshment to recharge. They have been out meeting the needs of others, but it seems that the only rest the followers of Jesus are going to get would be while they're in the boat going toward the desolate private place. Many of you serve and you know how hard it is to find that private, that quiet location, a place to be alone, and to be restored and be renewed. And you know the feelings the disciples must have had. But what happens as Jesus sends them away to rest? It seems that the masses see them and they beat them to the place that they were going. They could run faster than the boat could go. Verse 33, now many of them saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. The crowd takes off and it must have been like the swell of a wave. 
picking up more and more people as they would go through the different villages. The people would join them because they knew that Jesus was teaching and healing. It spread like a wildfire. It went viral. It appears that there was to be no rest for the weary. And as they step off the boat, verse 34, when he went ashore, he, Jesus, saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We might imagine that there would be frustration that the people had followed so quickly and so many. But in Jesus, we see something very different. We see the compassion of the shepherd. Jesus had compassion on the masses of people, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus felt tenderness and mercy. It does not say that Jesus had compassion because they needed to be healed or because they were hungry, but Jesus knew their condition. And Matthew 9, 36, a companion passage says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep cannot take care of themselves. But we ask, what's the big deal about a shepherd? And what's the big deal about sheep without a shepherd? We don't really understand this concept in our country because we have so many fences. We do not have many shepherds. But when you travel to many other countries, you see shepherds tending to their sheep. The big deal about a shepherd is that he is the one who protects and provides for and guides the sheep. Without the shepherd, sheep would be absolutely lost. They would be attacked. They would be destroyed. They would be wandering helplessly looking for their next meal. The sheep is one of the most helpless and needy of all the animals in God's creation. It cannot take care of itself. It cannot defend itself. It's not very smart. And to prove that, I'll ask you a question. How many of you have seen a sheep in the circus doing tricks? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And it's not going to. Sheep do not even know to get out of the storm and to seek shelter. Philip Keller, a pastor and author who himself was a shepherd for eight years, writes this, it is almost impossible for sheep to lie down and rest unless certain requirements are met. They need to be free of four things, free of all fear, free from friction with other sheep in the flock, free from bugs, and lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. Sheep need a shepherd, and that's the big deal. The shepherd provides all of these things. We all have seen people um, fixated on their phones, walking down the street and stumbling over something, and maybe you have done that yourself. One author says that sheep grazing on grass never look up. They don't see even a dangerous predator. And they've even been known to fall off a cliff. The shepherd is there to protect the sheep, even from themselves. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. 
He says that he knows his own and they know him. The great thing about the good shepherd is that he never changes. The story is told of Lloyd Douglas, author of The Robe, bestseller from last century. When he was in college, he lived in some apartments and on the first floor was an elderly music professor who was in a wheelchair. And every morning, Douglas would go down the stairs and he would greet this professor in the same way. He would always say, what's the good news? The elderly professor would pick up his tuning fork and he would tap it on his wheelchair. And then he would say day after day, that's middle C. It was middle C yesterday. It will be middle C tomorrow. It will be middle C a thousand years from now. The tenor upstairs sings flat. The piano across the hall is out of tune. But my friend, that is middle C. In this world in which we live, you and I need a middle C. And Jesus is our middle C that never, ever changes. Jesus is our shepherd. Or perhaps I ask this morning, is Jesus your shepherd? If he is, you will experience what the masses in Mark 6 experienced. And that is the action of the shepherd. He meets the need. All four of the gospels mentioned the miracle which we are about to talk about. And each one sheds some light that helps us understand. The shepherd makes sure his sheep are fed. Compassion in action is what we see. As we come to the feeding of the 5,000, let me just draw your attention to some of the dialogue that goes on. His disciples come and they say, this is a desolate place, Jesus, and the hour is now late. Send them away. Let them go and get their own food. There are just too many of them. And he answers in verse 37, you give them something to eat. And they say, shall we spend a year's wages to feed these people as if they had it? Verse 38, he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they come back and they say, five and two fish. And then he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they're seated. And then it says in verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. He broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And then they collected 12 baskets full. All four of the gospel writers tell of this event. Mark is the shortest of the gospels, but he's the most detailed in regards to the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus. We know a lot from this story. First, we know that in a desolate location late in the day, there's a large crowd. We know that the disciples wanted Jesus to send the people away to fend for themselves, but that Jesus says, you give them something to eat. We know 
that they come up with five loaves and two fish. We know that Jesus had the masses sit in groups of 50 and 100 on the green grass. Mark's the only of the, one of the Gospels who describes the green grass, which immediately would take the reader's minds to Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd. Perhaps the most powerful word in Psalm 23 is my. The Lord is my shepherd. We know that Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and he puts his face to heaven. He prays and the food is multiplied. We know that Jesus fed 5,000 and women and children. Matthew 14 says in verse 21, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. We know there was an abundance left over after the people were satisfied. But let's go back to from where the food came. The gospel writer John makes it clear that the five loaves and two fish come from a little boy. And surely if you think about it, in a group this size, somebody else had to have some food. But it was the little boy who was willing to give it. There was a need. The boy had open hands. He was willing to meet the need. He gave all that he had. What about us? Is what you have yours? Or do you believe that it all belongs to the Lord? Whether it is your time, your talent, your treasure, is it yours? Or is it the Lord's? With the needs all around us, do we live with open hands, knowing that all that we have truly belongs to the Lord? We hear and we see in the bulletin weekly the needs of our family here at Orangewood, whether it is for volunteers or for finances. We know that this has been a challenging year. And I encourage all of us to consider living with open hands. We as members of Christ's church should see ourselves as disciples advancing Christ's kingdom. And we do that, as we tell you regularly, through worship and community and service. And for those things to happen, we need people engaged, using their giftedness, serving each other, not waiting to see what's going to happen next. I wonder if anyone told the little boy, thank you for giving the loaves and the fish. Let me take a moment just to say thank you here. I'm not gonna mention many names, although I will mention a few, but thank you to the dozens of people who served to make this worship service this morning happen. It took dozens of people unseen to make it happen. We think of staff like Jack and Chris and Vicki and yet so many volunteers make it happen also. Thank you. There are greeters and ushers and coffee setup people and servers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tap comes every week and he cleans the patio and the parking lot and Linda prays. They're unseen, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Think of the O-Kids crew 
preparation has gone into it. There are weekly times of preparing for that ministry that Maggie and Marie and the team make, and then many volunteers making it happen. Thank you. And then there are the fifth graders who volunteer and help out also. Thank you to the fifth graders. Think of our youth and those who are ministering to them and Erickson and Emmy and their team. Thank you. I could be here all day, but let me just mention a couple others. Thank you to the pastoral search committee members who now have literally hundreds of hours, each one invested into the process which you elected them to do. Thank you to the deacons and the elders and the staff for loving and leading and serving so well. Thank you for the many unseen ways which you are serving and loving and meeting needs of others in the body of Christ here and beyond. Thank you for your faithful giving to meet the needs within our own body. The expenses, as you know, do not just pay for themselves. The resources come from you as God has entrusted them to you. God is doing great things in our midst. There's no doubt about that. A friend this week said, thankfulness is the key to everything. What about you? Are you more thankful or more critical? All we have is the Lord's. May his compassion motivate us to give joyfully to him and to his bride so that we can continue to show his compassion and his love to those to whom we minister in our own body and in our community and around the world. Sometimes we wait for this or that to happen when the Lord wants open hands and generous hearts. Your church, your family is in need. There are so many great causes, great organizations in our community which also need volunteering and funding. And all of us can give to them, but only this family will give to this family. And scripture tells us to take care of all, but first to take care of the family of faith. I remind all of us, this is our family. Many here have given your bread and your fish and your time and your talents. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you were to open your hands, what would you have to give? Some would have lots of loaves and fish. Others might have but a thin slice of bread to give. But what's your posture? Would you pray that as we all give, that Jesus would take it and he would turn his face to heaven and that it would be multiplied to accomplish his ministry among us and that it would broaden his name in the world. May God take what we give back and our time and our talent and our treasure and multiply it to meet the needs of his people and bring great honor to himself. After the good shepherd met the need of the feeding, we are told in verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Now, all of this has happened at the very north of the Sea of Galilee there. And it appears that even the shepherd needed rest and time alone. So he goes up to pray. 
Um, If he needed it, how much more do we need it? Hear God's word in verse 47. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land and he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now the Sea of Galilee is known for its storms. The sea is nearly 700 feet below sea level and it's known for being warm, even hot and having the air come up off of it. And then the mountains to the east are actually about 2,000 feet high. But then 30 miles to the north is Mount Hermon, which is 9,000 feet high. And so the cold airs would come rushing down into the valley and it would hit the hot air and it would cause huge storms and winds. Beloved, the storms come in our lives also in so many different ways. It may be in health or relationship or finances or family. And we feel as helpless sometimes as the disciples thinking that they were going to feed 5,000 plus people with five loaves and two fish. What's the challenge that you face today? You may see no way out, but Jesus comes and he may not take the situation away, but he says, do not be afraid. And then he gets into our situation, into our boat with us, just like he did with his disciples. Verse 51, and he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Now that's really astonishing, isn't it? It's discouraging. Their hearts were hardened. They didn't even understand about the loaves. It seems from John 6, telling of this event, that the masses of the people, they understood who Jesus was better than his own disciples. For it says in John 6, 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, the feeding of the 5,000, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Not only did those who were most familiar with Jesus in Nazareth that you heard about last week miss who Jesus was, Somehow, the disciples were missing it also. Even after seeing the miracles and the provisions with thousands being fed, even after just watching Jesus come walking on the water and the winds ceasing, we read, they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When we get to this last verse about not understanding, we see that even the disciples were like sheep. They did not get it. How could they not have understood the loaves and who Jesus was and what he was doing? How could they not understand his power and his faithfulness to provide? How can we not get it? After all the times that we have seen the Lord show up in our individual lives and in the life of our church, I'm forced to consider 
my own denseness. During my time, even here at Orangewood, just considering my own struggles, we, Rita and I, have been through premature twins with Jonathan and David being in the hospital for 40 days. We've been through Rita's cancer and my heart surgery 20 years ago. I've seen God a hundred times get into my boat with me. And yet the next situation comes and I don't understand. And I don't like even saying it, but my heart is hardened and I do not trust. I fear. We're the same, just like sheep. You and I have seen God work time and again and show up and meet our needs, small and large. Maybe not in the timing that we thought best, but he has shown up. He has shown us that he is faithful. May our hearts be soft, not hard. May we see and know and rest in our good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for my sheep. What more could we want? What is there for us to be afraid of? We have the Lord and he has compassion on us. Perhaps one of the best things about sheep is that they do know how to follow. A friend told me about going to a sheep market in the Middle East and how many flocks would enter at the same time into this walled area with their shepherds. And each herd had a different color painted across their back. So you'd have red and green and black and different colors there. And there were six or eight different flocks in there. And the buyers would want to see the various herds. And so they would call the shepherd of a particular flock forward. And as that shepherd would come forward, all of the sheep of that color would follow the shepherd to the front. Sheep as dense as they are, recognize the shepherd and they follow. Amazing, do I follow? Are you and I willing to follow where the shepherd leads? Are we willing to wait on his timing? We're the recipients of his compassion. May we know the identity of Jesus as the good shepherd. May we walk in relationship with our shepherd. May we walk in trust and not in fear. May we as people who have experienced compassion now walk in and show compassion to others. The good shepherd is our middle sea. Can you hear it? The good shepherd is our middle sea. Jesus never changes. And yet Jesus changes everything. Let us pray together. Jesus, we come to you this morning as the good shepherd. Give us grace to follow well, even when we are prone to wonder. Father, we ask that you would give us grace to hear your still small voice and to be thankful. Give us soft hearts that trust 
and do not fear. Father, we pray these very things for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Amen.